Hello again, this is Gareth O'Callaghan welcoming you to the fifth episode of my podcast diary. I hope you are keeping well and I hope you are staying safe. It's great to have your company. Unfortunately, I couldn't be here last week. That was due to recording commitments. I was recording the audio version for my brand new book, What Matters Now, which will be published, I'm delighted to say, on the 25th of March. And also available will be the audio version. I received quite a few emails over the last few weeks, some of you asking as to whether there will be an audio version. Yes, there will. The full book will be available in audio. And I know that because of visual impairments, some of you enjoy the audio version. I also am aware of how increasingly popular audio books are today. Many people enjoy listening to them while driving, while relaxing at home, while lying in bed, whatever it might be. I'm delighted to be able to say that, yes, the audio version is going to be available. And what's even more special for me is that I got the opportunity to be the voice on the audio version. So I'm actually reading my own writing, which is a very, 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 very special honour for me. It's something I've always hoped that one day it's an ambition I would be able to fulfil. So at last I got the opportunity and I do hope you enjoy it. I'll tell you more about that as we get a little bit nearer publication date, 25th of March. I was delighted following a little walk in town here in Cork City on Sunday. We went for a stroll Sunday afternoon that Eason's was open. I wasn't aware they were open during this particular lockdown phase, but they were open. Now, obviously, you can't browse the books. You have to ask one of the supervisors or one of the staff to to go and pick up the book for you. So in other words, traditionally, you could spend hours and hours in Eason just wandering through all of the different books and and, uh, categories. But now you have to actually ask one of the staff. But the great thing is it's open. And it's wonderful to be able to step into a bookshop again. And hopefully by the 25th of March, many, many more of the bookshops all over Ireland will also be open. And I'm looking forward as we go through this year to trying to get around as many of the bookshops as we possibly can. Just to say hello, to say hello to the staff who work tirelessly all their lives to sell these beautiful books. So that's my ambition. So this is the fifth episode of my podcast diary. Somebody asked me during the week, what is your diary all about? Is it a a weekly diary day to day? No, I don't think so. I I think what I like to do is I like to just make a mental note or even a written note of what I would regard as life's incidentals. Those little events that perhaps you weren't expecting to happen or that you noticed or that caught your attention and really just chatting about different things that are going on at the moment. I didn't get a chance last week to talk about the new president of the United States, the 46th president, President Joe Biden. I am delighted he is now the president of the United States. I know many people are not delighted. I know many people are delighted. It is still very much a divided nation and a divided outcome. But one thing I have noticed over the last week, particularly as Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and their administration roll up their sleeves and get really stuck in at at a record, record fast pace into this new administration, that he is not holding back, that he's doing absolutely everything he possibly can to make the United States a safer place in the shadow of COVID-19. And it's only when you think back to the previous administration, as Joe Biden was saying on television the other night, that the COVID-19 
vaccine operation was a complete debacle. In fact, there was no plan, practically no plan whatsoever. So it's good to know that President Biden is making it his priority now to get as many US citizens vaccinated as quickly as possible. It just means that looking ahead, and we all need something to look forward to and to look out there towards in the distance, that we might be able to get back to the United States again for a holiday, to see family, to see friends, to see loved ones, hopefully within the next 18 months. One of the many things I like about Joe Biden is his leadership qualities. He's 78 years of age. That's not old. I hear this term old. People saying he's too old for the job. He's not too old for the job. I think he's perfect for the job. I think he has to watch his energy levels. I also think he has to look after himself health-wise because I couldn't imagine a more demanding job from that perspective. But he has that energy and he has that will and he has that leadership quality that, that can really reach out and get the message across. He gives so much hope. He's also an emotional man. He's not afraid to deal with the feelings behind his beliefs and his intentions. And that's worth so much more than mere rhetoric. And I might add here that the last president will be remembered for suggesting, of course, that bleach could cure COVID. Uh, I think that's one of the only things he will be remembered for. Someone also mentioned to me last week that Donald Trump was the only president in the history of the United States to never start a war. Now, I don't know how accurate that is. But certainly, judging by the events of January 6th, those images of, of white insurrectionists who broke into the US Capitol, there was something far more sinister about that for me than when I think back to previous presidencies. And I don't know whether you noticed in the television footage of the attack on the US Capitol on January 6th, one particular man who marched through the building holding a Trump flag with his work ID badge still draped around his neck. Well, it didn't take very long for people who were looking closely at the internet to zoom in on the badge and to alert his employer. The company promptly fired the man and contacted the FBI. Can you be fired for joining a violent mob that storms the Capitol? That's a question a lot of Americans were asking over the last week. The answer is, of course you can. Something I wasn't aware of. Non-unionized workers in the United States, about 90% of all workers in the United States are employed at will. That means that you can be terminated at any time without notice for any reason. It doesn't even have to be a good reason um, unless the company has guaranteed your job in writing. Basically, your fate is up to them. So I wish Joe Biden and his administration the best. This is probably one of the most difficult challenges any US president has ever faced. Lives are being lost by the second and he is trying to curb that and eventually stop that and eventually try to vaccinate as many US citizens in the United States as possible. How his administration is going to manage to do that, I have no idea. But I do believe he is the best man to have in his position at this time. Thank you for the emails I have been receiving over the last few weeks. The email address is garethocallahan2021 at gmail.com. That's G-A-R-E-T-H, okay? garethocallahan2021 at gmail.com. Jen sent me an email. Greetings from Brooklyn. My husband, Mike, is from Ireland. We met in 1996 here in the United States and married three months later. We will be 25 years married in September. Mike got COVID last August and he is still out of work, almost recovered, but not fully. And he listens into your podcasts since number one. His only 
only complaint is that they are not long enough. Could you stretch them by maybe another half an hour to 45 minutes? <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll do my best, Mike. Uh, and thank you to you and Jen. Stay well and look after each other. Talking to friends of mine in New York recently, they tell me it is a scene that is difficult to imagine unless you're actually there. The fear, the uncertainty is just palpable everywhere. Many, many people working from home, many people terrified to go outside of their apartments and their homes. So by way of just sending on our very best wishes to our friends in New York and in Boston, stay well and stay safe. Hopefully we will get to see you very, very soon. I mentioned in my last podcast about the advantages and disadvantages of working from home during the COVID-19 lockdown. Aileen emailed me and said, I love working from home because it means I don't have to look at or listen to my boss in the physical sense. Uh, Long may that continue. Looking back over 40 years of radio, I have worked for many bosses. Some of them have been absolutely fantastic, real leadership qualities, always prepared to roll up the sleeves and get stuck in always prepared to reach out and help the little guy and to give you every opportunity to climb the ladder and to advance in a business that is very, very, very difficult to even get your foot in the front door of at this stage. I remember there was one boss who said to me, I was going through a pretty difficult period of depression, and one of my bosses said to me, when you step into this studio, you leave your depression at home. I mean, yeah, there's encouragement for you. There's support. Then there was another boss I remember. I didn't actually work for this guy, but it was a friend of mine who told me he did work for him. He had this whiteboard in his office and every Friday afternoon, he would have had probably about 16 to 20 people in the office. Every Friday afternoon, he wrote up each one of their names on the whiteboard on the left-hand side. And then he would write a number from 1 to 20, assuming there were 20 people in the office, against their names. Now, these numbers, 1 to 20, were just written randomly. So the first name could have 5 after it, the second name could have the number 9, the third name could have the number 1, and so on down. And it became a mind game very quickly. This guy was really messing with people's minds because he gave no reason as to why he was actually carrying out this exercise on a Friday afternoon, just before people were going home for the weekend. And he gave no explanation as to what each of the numbers meant or what the relevance of the number beside your name was. So if you had the number one beside your name, was that because you were probably the hardest worker that week in the office? Was it because you showed the greatest support to your fellow workers? Was it because you were extremely creative and you really stood out? Or was number one right down there at the bottom of the ladder? Did number one mean that you were just a bit of a waster in this guy's eyes? And he played this game every Friday and it was torturous. You left work on Friday knowing that you were, say, number 18 and you knew there was going to be a staff meeting on Monday morning. So you'd go in on Monday morning and you'd say, can you tell me why I'm number 18 this week and why I was number seven the week before? And he'd say, what do you think it stands for? And he would stare at you. And it was quite terrifying because you felt 
as if you had no control over your own position in the job. You felt as if you were being totally controlled. A real big brother tactic. This went on for weeks and weeks and weeks until an official complaint was made and it very quickly stopped after that. But even to this day, no one, including my friend who I'm occasionally in contact with, knows what the relevance of those numbers were. He thinks now none of the numbers had any relevance whatsoever, that this guy was simply just messing with your brain. What a boss. What a guy to work for. From what I can remember, my friend telling me, I think he came in one morning four weeks later and the boss's office was empty. Everything had been cleared and he no longer worked there. I wonder what number that made him at that rate. So that was the boss with the whiteboard on the wall of his office. Can you better that? Let me know. I came across the results a couple of weeks back of a men's health survey. Awareness of prostate health is alarmingly low in men over 50. This new survey commissioned by the European Association of Urology has revealed, despite the fact that at the age of 60 and over, 40% of men suffer from an enlarged prostate. As I've repeatedly said, men generally don't like talking about their health. And the whole prostate thing is for many, many men, a no-go area, when in fact it should be a priority. A couple of the worrying outcomes of this particular survey, only one in six respondents correctly stated that the symptoms relating to an enlarged prostate are not a normal sign of aging. And here's another one, just one in four men, one in four men over the age of 50 are correctly able to identify the prostate's main function. A similar number didn't even know where the prostate was. Here's your chance to win a new Doro 7030 feature phone with access to WhatsApp and Facebook, designed specifically for seniors and available to buy in Vodafone stores or online. Doro are market leaders in creating phones with clearer sound and larger text, one that's protected if it falls or can alert others if you do and makes staying in touch with family and friends simple and enjoyable. At Doro, they are dedicated to helping seniors live a better life without compromise. Doro helped to make ageing an independent, secure and rich part of life. As you know, age is just a number. All you need to do to win a newly launched Doro 7030 handset is go to the website www.seniortimes.ie and follow the instructions. To see the full range of Doro phones, visit www.doro.com. The lucky winner will be announced on the Senior Times Facebook page. Doro Phones, making technology easy for all. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not subscribe to Senior Times, the magazine and website for people who don't act their age. Or maybe you have a loved one or a friend who you know would love to read more. You can buy a subscription and have the magazine delivered direct to their door. To subscribe to Senior Times, visit the website at seniortimes.ie and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash senior times. Thank you to those of you who have written to me by email over the last couple of weeks. I have received some very special emails, some very sad emails, some very joyful emails from women who were once babies at the Besborough Mother and Baby Home many, many years back. And I got an insight from some of the emails. These were long, long stories of how your own life unraveled in the years as you grew up, finding out later that you were adopted, later beginning to locate the possibility of establishing contact with your birth mother. I've read some beautiful stories 
of the adoptive parents of many of these babies who gave them the most wonderful, wonderful lives. But there was always that question I noticed from the emails that I received of how life might have been if these young children had been allowed to stay with their natural mothers. But I just want to say... A very, very sincere thank you to those of you who told me your stories. Some sad stories, mostly happy stories, but thank you for reaching out and I wish you all the best in the future. Now, as many of you will know, I spent most of lockdown writing. This is the book I was telling you about, What Matters Now. And in many ways, it served me well because everything else was so restricted. Movement was restricted. We couldn't travel mostly staying indoors, mostly taking care of herself. So it gave me that opportunity to avoid making excuses as to why I couldn't write or why I couldn't edit or why I couldn't research stuff. And I also got an email actually from Deirdre in the last couple of days. She says, Gareth, I was listening to you over the last couple of weeks talking about your book. I spent much of lockdown writing a book also. The book is finished, it's fiction, and I'm just wondering if perhaps you could give me a little bit of advice as to what I might do with it next. Thank you, Deirdre. This is not the first email I've received. There's a great hunger out there to write at the moment, as there has been for the last 12 months. Obviously something to do with the lockdown restrictions and how we have been planning to spend that time. And from what I can gather, many of you just grabbed the opportunity to sit down, stare at a blank screen on a Word document and to start typing. And for doing that, I take my hat off to you because it's not easy to start typing, to actually start writing a story. But there is no other way to go about doing it. You have to condition yourself, you have to discipline yourself, you have to say, now I'm going to do it. And you have to do it every day. So if you have an idea in mind, don't leave it up there because it will, it will evaporate, you know, it just vanishes. Get it down on paper, whether that's with a pen and paper or whether you get to a Word document or whether you even just email the information to yourself. Record it so you don't forget it. That's rule number one. I was asked recently, what is more important, particularly when it comes to fiction? What comes first, the storyline or the characters? I would say, without a shadow of a doubt, the characters. And I was listening to Deirdre Purcell talking about the way she writes. Deirdre is one of our great great writers. And she was talking about the importance of developing your characters before you even think of a storyline. And it made perfect sense. Say, for example, you have decided to write a novel. You have an idea somewhere in the back of your head. You're not quite sure how it's going to start. You're not quite sure where it's going to go or how it's going to finish. But you have a couple of great characters in mind. Well, if you have Great characters in mind, you are 50% of the way to achieving your goal. Without great characters, a storyline means nothing. Your story will very quickly evaporate, it will run into problems, and you'll run out of a storyline quicker than you think. So from my experience, which I have to say is quite humbled experience, my advice would be to create four great characters before you do anything else. These characters will be the mainstays of your storyline. These characters have got to be real people in the minds of your readers. Remember, they're visualizing what you have written. They're turning it into a picture. 
They've got to see these people. They've got to be real people. And more importantly, they've got to be real people in your mind. So you've got to be able to identify with each of these individuals, who they are, where they're from, what they're like, their personalities, their characteristics, how they get on with each other, how they don't get on with each other. But always make sure your main character, your protagonist, is a very likeable character, a lovable character. I made the mistake many years back in a novel I wrote, my main character became a horrendous character who I ended up, I ended up hating him. And eventually I had to start writing the book all over again. But because I had got to know him so well and suddenly he turned into such a nasty individual about halfway through the book, the second half of the book fell apart. So I scrapped it and ended up having to rewrite the whole story with different styles of characters. So familiarise yourself with your characters. That's my main advice to you. Once you have three or four really, really strong, real-life people to walk through your book, then the storyline will take shape very quickly. Deirdre says, I've asked a couple of friends who I trust to read the manuscript and they like it. Well, that's great. That's a really good, strong beginning. But what do I do next? There are quite a number of books out there that are worth reading when it comes to writing a book. And probably the best book I can recommend to you is a book called From Pitch to Publication. And it's by a woman called Carol Blake, based on her experience as a literary agent and also as someone who has worked in some of the biggest publishing firms and publishing houses in the UK. She has distilled all of this fabulous information that a first-time writer really needs to read. So you have your manuscript, which is your book. One thing I became very aware of when I started writing years ago was that the first draft of your manuscript is definitely not going to be the one that will be published. That's if your book is published by a publishing house. So that's why I recommend this book. I think it's got everything in it from pitch to publication and it's by Carol Blake. Also, I would recommend the Writers and Artists Yearbook. This is updated every year. So go out and get the 2021 edition. It's uh, definitely available online and it's well worth having because it will give you an insight into the different individuals who you hopefully will be working with if your book is accepted for publication. If you're writing a thriller, I can recommend a brilliant book that you should read before you actually start writing the thriller. And it's called How to Write a Damn Good Thriller. And it's by a guy called James N. Fry, F-R-E-Y, James N. Fry, F-R-E-Y. An excellent book if you're thinking of getting into the thriller genre, which is a very, very tough genre to compete within. I actually got into writing quite by accident. Back in 1995, I was running a small sideline business coming up to Christmas that year. Many of you will know these books that you can personalise, small, popular children's books, and you can actually personalise them by putting your own children's names and their friends' names into the storyline. It's pretty magical when you see the finished product. But typically, I hadn't researched the business. I hadn't put the preparatory work in, and it wasn't a success. So I was left with a lot of machinery and I was left with a lot of stock and I was also left with a very good PC. And I remember one night shortly after midnight, I sat down in the corner of a quiet room and started writing. Literally a blank page and on the top of the page I wrote, 
chapter one. And I think by about five o'clock later that morning, I had about 40 pages written. I'd written all night. And I read back over it and I thought, this is rubbish. But then I asked a friend to read over it and he said, this is actually quite good. You should send this on to a publishing house. So I sent it on to Pool Beg. And at the time, the editor at Pool Beg was a wonderful woman called Kate Cruz O'Brien. Kate was an unbelievably astute and intuitive editor. She really fell in love with the books that she was working on. And many of the great writers now started out working with Kate, who sadly passed away very, very suddenly in the mid-90s. Writers like Patricia Scanlon, Marion Keyes, Cathy Kelly. And Kate took me under her wing, having read what I had written, and she said, I want you to write more, and I want you to continue to write, and I want you to write every day. So that eventually led to my first novel, which was a thriller called Dare to Die, and it was published by Pool Bag in 1997. I think when we look back on 2020, it will be the year when we find a whole new world of writers, particularly here in Ireland. And I think the lockdown restrictions has given so many people that space they need to write and it's been a very, very emotional 12 months so far. I mean, we are all operating under impossible circumstances. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. I, I suppose I remember reading in, I think, the Sunday Times there recently, lockdown stops us seeing ahead. I remember reading that line. And it's so true. Lockdown stops us seeing ahead. We have got to have things to look forward to. We have got to be able to look ahead into the future. Otherwise, we become imprisoned in our own heads. And that's what keeps us moving. That's what keeps us happy. That's what keeps us upbeat by being able to plan ahead and look forward. And the wonderful thing about writing is that while in the real world, we might not be able to look forward or look ahead, in the writing world, everything is different. It has different rules. You can create a future for yourself in your writing. You can look ahead. You can actually be the archaeologist, the designer of what is to come. And that forms the basis for your story. And it is pure escapism. It's creative. It keeps you on top of things. It keeps your mind sharp. You're constantly thinking of developing your storyline. You're constantly thinking of a subplot. You're constantly thinking of a new character who might appear at some point. It's such an enjoyable hobby. But one thing I would say, don't think you're going to get rich by writing. Very, very few writers make any money. Many Irish writers will tell you that they're lucky if a book they write generates enough money to buy a new garden shed. So don't let the money be your incentive, okay? Don't let the money be your incentive to write. Writing has got to come from somewhere inside you that is screaming out to get words down on the screen. Often it helps to write by hand initially. I do both. I write by hand, but I also enjoy mostly writing on the laptop because you're looking at the shape of the page. You're watching the words going down. Already, you're getting into that flow that you need to get into on a daily basis. It's so important to write every day, whether that's for one hour or whether it's for three hours. Set yourself a word target. Just imagine 300 words fit on the average page of a book, okay? So are you going to set yourself the target of 3,000 words? That's 10 pages, possibly a lot to start with, unless you have some great ideas. But whether your ideas let you down on days when you really, really don't want to write, keep 
writing. Keep writing. Don't go back editing. Just keep at the writing. Keep moving forward. Moving forward. So good luck with the book, Deirdre. Uh, that's my humble advice. Of course, there are many, many great books out there that will support you if you want to really, really write a book. And there are so many great writers groups available online. They're free to join. They're delighted to have new members. And they're very, very generous and open with their advice. And there are many successful writers out there today who have started the stories of their success by joining writers groups. So thank you once again for the email. The email address is garethocallahan2021 at gmail.com. And if you want to send me on a little bit of advice that I can send on to others, well, drop me a line. I'd love to hear from you. And just before I leave the subject of writing, I got to congratulate a guy called Ben Cornelius. I came across this in the Sunday Times a couple of weeks back. He decided to write a story during the first lockdown. He's 11 years of age. He was driven by boredom rather than ambitions of becoming a literary giant. Less than a year later, the schoolboy from Hull in the north of England is a published author. He's 11 years of age with his debut sci-fi novel, Movil War, winning readers in six countries. The tale which follows two friends, Alfie and Bobby, in the search for a special gem to restore hope, light and most of all freedom to the world has been purchased in New Zealand, America, Germany, Ireland, Canada and Australia, leaving him and his parents astounded. Ben says lockdown was very boring. I kept on completing my schoolwork by lunchtime and I didn't have anything to do. So one day mum was like, maybe you should write a story. And the rest, as they say, is history. He's 11 years of age and his book has now been snapped up in over six countries around the world. There is that talent in every single person. If I got a euro for every time I heard, I wish I could write a book, I'd be a very wealthy man. Every single one of us has a book in us, but only you can write it. Now, we are a nation of animal lovers, there's no doubt about that. Nearly 50% of Irish households have a dog and a cat, but it's dogs I want to just chat about briefly in this particular podcast. There is a black market for dogs at the moment. This will probably not come as new news to you, and you probably already know this. Back in August last year, the Gardaí raided a house in Rathkeel in County Limerick and discovered 10 dogs. Now, since then, they have been trying to reunite these dogs with their owners. According to the Gardaí who led the investigation, the 10 dogs recovered after a search of the house in the town were bound for the UK and were due to be shipped out as early as the bank holiday Monday in August, intelligence gathered by the investigating team suggests. And Detective Sergeant Michael Reedy, who headed up the investigation from Newcastle West, says there has been an increase absolutely in dog thefts in the region since lockdown. He's talking about the Munster region, okay? And he says he is aware of a lot of dogs that are being stolen in the Munster region and they're being sold on then in the UK. He goes on to say that they had 14 dogs stolen from a single breeder and we had up to 50 dogs stolen in the Limerick area alone in the past few weeks. This is back as far as August last. The price of all dogs has gone through the roof in recent times. It's become a very, very lucrative industry. I think because of lockdown, because so many families are at home more, so many parents are trying to keep children active and to try to keep the mood positive and everybody's spirits lifted and to try to maintain a kind of a happy atmosphere at home, what better way to do that than to add an additional member to the family in the shape of a domestic pet, a dog? One, inst 
One interesting statistic, 115% increase in Google searches for buy a puppy since the first lockdown. Now, of the 10 dogs that were recovered by the Gardaí last August, the Gardaí say that efforts to find owners for quite a number of them are being hampered by the fact that although it's a legal requirement, not all of the dogs have up-to-date registered microchips. And they're finding a lot of the dogs that they're recovering are being linked back to the original breeder. So unfortunately, the person buying the dog isn't going online and updating the new registration details, which you have to do. So if you welcomed a new dog into the house in recent weeks or months, please, just a couple of quick tips that I was given over the last week or so, because we are in the process of giving happy home and a forever home to a beautiful little doggy. Avoid leaving them tied up outside a shop, okay? Don't tie the dog up to the trolley bay while you nip inside for 10 or 15 minutes because the temptation there is for the opportunists to just walk over, untie the dog, put it into a car and drive away. So don't leave your dog tied up outside the shop. You can't bring your dog into the shop. But another piece of advice, don't leave them alone in the car, even for a few minutes. Thieves can easily break in. Make sure they're microchipped and that you keep your contact details up to date. Your dog should always wear a collar and ID tag with your name and address on it. And this is an interesting one. Make a note of any distinguishing features and take clear photographs of your dog from various angles, okay? Take photographs with you when you are walking your dog for proof of ownership. And if you get onto the dog's trust, if you get onto any of the dog pounds, if you get onto any individuals who tend to be into rescuing stray dogs, they'll be delighted to give you some advice as to how to go about getting a dog. And remember, it's not just a Christmas saying, a dog's not just for Christmas. In fact, it's not just for a long bank holiday weekend or for a couple of weeks. A dog is a forever member of your family. And finally, for this podcast, I come back to the whole subject of mental health again. And it's something I will continue to do each week. I'm so conscious that we are living through a crisis and it has reached that point for so many people where they're feeling extremely depressed. They're feeling extremely worried, lonely, There's no greater fear for an elderly person than the fear of being alone for an unpredictable amount of time. And a recent study of older people who cocooned during the COVID-19 pandemic has found almost 40% reported worse mental health, while more than 40% said there had been a decline in their physical health. I mentioned last week, even moving around the back garden is valuable exercise. It helps to protect and strengthen your immune system. It helps to make you feel better to get out into the fresh air, even if it means walking around the garden. And even if you don't have a garden, standing in the porch for 10 or 15 minutes will give you an opportunity to get some fresh air. It also broadens your horizons because you're watching what's happening outside the walls of your house. If there was just one piece of advice I could give to those of you who might be finding the lockdown restrictions unbearable. Set yourself goals, small goals. They don't have to be enormous goals, but set yourself a goal looking out ahead into the future. This will pass. This will pass. None of us has any idea what lies ahead, but one thing is for certain. We will look back on this and it will be behind us. So keeping that in mind and remind yourself of that all the time, set yourself a goal a small goal to begin with, and then beyond the goal, set yourself an outcome. So setting yourself a goal, whether that's that you're going to walk five miles within your 5k restriction limit every day, that's fine. That's a goal. But what is the outcome behind that goal? What is your long-term hope? What are you hoping to achieve long-term from that goal? So a goal becomes far more important 
if it has a long-term outcome. And this is something I'll talk about in my next podcast. Don't forget my email address, garethocallaghan2021 at gmail.com. Just before I leave you, I want to mention one other podcast among the many that you will find here on the Senior Times website. And if you enjoy classical music, well, this is classical music at its very finest. It's Reflections, the title of the latest selection of music in the hugely popular classical collection presented by John Lowe. And it features a wealth of relaxing and soothing melodies from the great classical masters like Bach, Beethoven, Mozart, Haydn, Shostakovich, Donizetti. John Lowe, check it out on Senior Times. Reflections is the title of this wonderful selection of classical music. A soothing soundtrack for the times we are living in. Thank you for joining me for my latest podcast. If you enjoy the podcasts, please share the news and let your family and friends know. I will be back with you next week. Until then, from me, Gareth O'Callaghan, stay safe, look after each other and take care. Bye-bye.